welcome. <laughs> happy Mother's Day. I'm Reverend Marisol Caballero, and I am happy to see you all here and celebrate this day with you all. We are a loving, liberal, religious community in the heart of Austin, and we are glad that you are here. If this is your first time here, an extra special welcome. Our call to worship today is by Victoria Weinstein. We reflect in thanksgiving this day for all whose, li whose lives have nurtured ours, the life-giving ones who heal with their presence, who listen in sympathy, who give wise advice, but only when asked for it, who we are grateful for all those who have mothered us, who have held us gently in times of sorrow, who have celebrated with us our triumphs, no matter how small, who noticed when we changed and grew, who praised us for taking risks, who took genuine pride in our success and who expressed genuine compassion when we did not succeed. On this day that honors mothers, let us honor all mothers, men and women alike, who from somewhere in their being have freely and wholeheartedly given life and sustenance and vision to us. Dear God, Mother, Father of all of us, grant us life-giving ways, strength for birthing, and a nurturing spirit, that we may take attentive care of our world, our communities, and those precious beings entrusted to us by biology, or by destiny, or by friendship, fellowship, or faith. Give us the heart of a mother today. Amen. Today, our reading is called The Parents' Pilgrimage by Kathleen McTeague. On the day my first child greeted the light of the world and was lifted into my arms, I had no clue about the impact she would have on my spiritual life. I would have told anyone who asked that this child was God herself, or as near to it as I would ever get and she immediately became the focus of my passionate idolatry. I lived in a state of awe during those early weeks of her life. In the long silences of nighttime nursing, and through days that drifted and eddied around this new being, no detail could escape my attention. I was mesmerized by her minute fingernails, the curve of her foot, the, the perfect translucence of her ear, the blue-black depths of her eyes. Through all my years of working with various spiritual disciplines of prayer and meditation, the heart of the practice was always to learn deeper attention. After my baby's birth, attention flowed effortlessly, expanding from the center she occupied like ripples on a pond. I suppose if those early days fully characterized parenting, people raising children would be on the fast track to enlightenment. 
But the path doesn't always stay within the surreal realm for very long. And the new parent soon understands why there are so few stories of saints outside the monastic tradition. Along with the profound joy of parenting come all those other experiences that interrupt our starry-eyed devotion. The drool, the spit-up, the months of sleep deprivation, the endless diapers, and for some unlucky souls, the mind-numbing nights of colic. Later on, there are squabbles and tantrums, the willful deafness of parental pleas, the high-pitched screams in inhumane decibels. Above all, there is the constancy of interruption, broken sleep and fragmented dreams, conversations reduced to half-sentence snippets, days divided into fractions and each part full of uncompleted tasks. The spiritual life is usually depicted as requiring total dedication, the solitary pilgrimage, focused weeks of prayer meditation, the ecstatic chanting in the company of other seekers. When Siddhartha began the journey that would transform him into the Buddha, he left behind his wife and infant son. This choice seems unforgivable, hardly the stuff of enlightenment. But on the classic spiritual journey, characterized by austerity and solitude, there is no room for spouse and baby to trot alongside. We don't hear stories about saints and sages walking the path to their enlightenment, hauling bags of diapers and sacks of diaper wipes, liquid Tylenol and teething rings. It's hard to imagine them engaging in soul-deepening religious thought or dialogue while wiping a runny nose or cleaning up after spilled SpaghettiOs. Parents are more likely to be pouring time and again over the words of the runaway bunny or goodnight moon than the classic sacred text. The real journey with children is motivated not by our spiritual hungers, but by our offspring's more prosaic appetite. Parents have little opportunity for regular prayer and meditation, Sabbath reflection, or journal writing. Instead, their journey leads right through life we're living, through the chaos, the interruptions, the exhaustion. This ordinary, unsung path requires tremendous openness to the unanticipated. It meanders around a thousand turns that feel like detours or dead ends. It requires faith that the spirit does not grow in a straight line, nor need traditional forms and practices. Real spiritual growth depends on our willingness to be transformed, and very little transforms us as thoroughly as sharing our lives with children. Happy Mother's Day. By this hour on this date, it's fairly safe to say that most of us in this room have given our money, time, and attention over to the obligatory trappings of Mother's Day. The flowers and greetings cards and chocolates and perhaps there was 
a breakfast in bed involved or a looming brunch to attend after church. Or perhaps you are the recipient of such affection today. The last-minute wilted bouquet with the H-E-B tag still on it. The frilly Hallmark card with one word quickly scrawled on the inside, the name of the giver. The suspicious box of chocolates with a couple of truffles already missing. Or the burnt pancakes covered in peanut butter and marshmallows with neon pink watermelon-flavored yogurt on the side. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, so you've called my bluff. I'm not that cynical about Mother's Day. And who wouldn't want any of the aforementioned wonderful gifts? But on this holiday, as on Valentine's Day and Father's Day, we do hear such complaints about these days being more about consumerism than about demonstrating genuine appreciation. We participate in them, in part because we're expected to, and we're expected to do so in a particular way. I love buying gifts, don't get me wrong, and hanging out with my mom and watching new moms being doted on with sloppy kisses and preschool crafts consisting of absolutely anything that can be stamped with a tiny Crayola paint handprint. But, like many, I find that the aisles and aisles of heart-shaped mylar balloons and pink boxes of chocolates, pink everything, really, I encounter at the grocery stores this time of year when all I need to do is buy kitty litter and almond milk and go home leaves me a bit cross-eyed. This is not at all what the holiday was originally intended to celebrate, after all. Mother's Day, like most American national holidays, began with the noblest of intentions. We first heard of Mother's Day from the prose poem written by Julia Ward Howe in 1870. Howe, a Unitarian who also hung out with Universalists, is most well known for writing the Battle Hymn of the Republic, and for her efforts as an abolitionist. Having lived through the horrors of the Civil War, she believed that women, mothers in particular, were uniquely poised to take a radical stance in waging peace. She wrote this call to action in an effort to rally an annual Congress of like-minded mothers on the second Sunday in June of every year. She said, Arise, then, women of this day. Arise, all women who have hearts, whether your baptism be that of water or tears. Say firmly, we will not have great questions decided by irrelevant agencies. Our husbands shall not come to us reeking with carnage for caress and applause. Our sons shall not be taken from us to unlearn all that we had taught them of charity, mercy, and patience. We women of one country will be too tender of those of another to allow our sons to be trained to injure theirs. From the bosom of the devastated earth, a voice goes up with our own. It says, disarm, disarm. The sword of murder is not the balance of injustice. 
Blood does not wipe out dishonor, nor violence indicate possession. As men have often forsaken the plow and the anvil at the summons of war, let women now leave all that may be left of home for a great and earnest day of counsel. Let them first meet as women to bewail and commemorate the dead. Let them solemnly take counsel with each other as to the means whereby the great human family can live in peace, each bearing after his own time the sacred impress, not of Caesar's, but of God's. In the name of womanhood and humanity, I earnestly ask that a general congress of women without limit of nationality may be appointed and held at some place deemed most convenient and at the earliest period consistent with its object to promote the alliance of the different nationalities, the amicable settlement of international questions, the great and general interest of peace. Sounds like a day's work, right? (laughs) How successfully gathered women for this purpose for the next several years? But the movement lost its steam, I suppose, when people realized that waging peace is tough work. Another woman, though not a mother herself, resurrected the holiday in a different way in 1907. Anna Jarvis held a church service to honor her recently deceased mother, who had once told her, I hope and pray that someone sometime will found a Mother's Memorial Day. There are so many days for men, but none for mothers. The tradition spread, and the national holiday was made official in 1914. Within less than 10 years, Mother's Day had become the paragon of commercialism that we experience today, or at least the seedling of what it has become today, so much so that in 1923, Jarvis, disappointed in what had become of her idea, filed a lawsuit to prevent a Mother's Day event from occurring and was later arrested for disturbing the peace at another event. Despite these two fearless revolutionary women giving birth to this holiday, Julia Ward Howe and Anna Jarvis, Mother's Day has retained little of its original daring and fervor. Yes, We should all work to reclaim the initial intent of Mother's Day. Yes, we should all care about bringing about world peace, and we should care about the children of our quote-unquote enemies as well as our own children. Yes, we should memorialize our mothers, honor and revere them for all they have done and still do for us throughout the year, and with heartfelt sincerity. Not simply today in a small effort at the checkout line. Yes, that's not where I stopped. And as I prepared for this Sunday's worship, I began to think more and more of another source of discomfort to my ethical core around Mother's Day. I began to think about the countless families that do not fit into Hallmark's idea of what this day should be. Mother's Day may feel exclusive for children who only have one father or for children who have two dads and no mother. 
The same goes for single-mother households in which mom has many roles, and in two-mother households. I once saw a comic strip in which a teacher was leaning over a little girl, correcting the grammar of her, um, her little handmade Mother's Day card, when the little girl answered back sarcastically, I have two moms. I know where the apostrophe goes. Many children are raised by their grandparents or another relative or a foster parent. Some mothers transition into fatherhood and some fathers transition into motherhood when they have the courage to come out as transgender. And other women choose not to have children and are perfectly happy and don't need questions about when they'll give birth. I also began to think about all those for whom this day is a source of sadness, those whose mother is no longer alive, those who would like to be a mother but have not yet become one or cannot biologically enjoy the pleasure and the misery of it all. For those who have experienced a miscarriage or who have outlived their children, today is a day of grief. For those who have had a complicated or abusive relationship with their mothers or with their children, today is difficult as well. I wondered how this day might look different if there were room at the proverbial table for all who are mothered and for all who mother. How would that look? What would that celebration look like? How could we retain Anna Jarvis's devotion and admiration for our mothers while reclaiming some of Julia Ward Howe's radical spirit of peace. I thought about what ideally it means to be a mother to someone. Essentially, it isn't about gender or biology. It's about nurturing, loving someone unconditionally being willing to learn alongside as well as to teach. It's about offering one's best protection from the worst of this world while not fully shielding them from it. It's about advocating, encouraging, laughing, crying, fearing, believing. Thinking of mothering in these terms, we've all been mothered by someone, perhaps by many, When mothering is about responsibly and deliberately nurturing someone into adulthood and beyond, we will reflect on those who mothered us and recall names that are both male and female and everything in between. This is not to say that skillful nurturance is a uniquely feminine attribute, that a father who parents in this way is acting motherly or more like a mother, or that we should have a generic parents and guardians day in place of our current holidays. Rather, framing Mother's Day in this way recognizes the reality that unless we hole up in a storm shelter throughout the month of May, we are going to be barraged with the heavy commercialism that this day has turned into. However, we can choose to respond to it, not by simply rolling our eyes and quickening our pace until we hit the canned soup aisle, 
but by stretching our hearts and widening the conversation about the diversity of our families and of the childhood experience in general, as well as the category-defying complexities of motherhood itself. The sermon is called The Mother of All Services, <laughs> in part because I thought it was funny, given that today is Mother's Day, and also because uh, apparently I have a unique sense of humor, but <laughs> and also because I needed to come up with a quick title in time for the newsletter. But this bade me to consider, this title did, the other meaning of service. Kathleen McTeague was on to something when she wrote in today's reading that real spiritual growth depends on our willingness to be transformed, and very little transforms us as thoroughly as sharing our lives with children. No amount of influence by the media, peers, or circumstance has helped form us in positive ways as much or as well as those who have mothered us over the years. To give this service of deliberate and responsible nurturing to a child as mother, father, guardian, grandparent, mentor, aunt, uncle, teacher, what have you, is the greatest service we can perform. And it's such a gift to ourselves as well. It's the mother of all services. I'd like to leave you with this beautiful prayer written by Amy Scott, entitled, The Wide Spectrum of Mothering. To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with the little ones each day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who have experienced loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make this harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. Those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experience abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who have lived through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who have aborted children, we remember them and you on this day. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering children of your own, we mourn that life has not turned out the way you longed for it to. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on these complex paths. 
to those who envisioned lavishing love on your grandchildren, yet that dream is not to be, we grieve with you. To those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. To those who place children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and remember how you hold that child in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we appreciate you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst. We remember you. May it be so. Amen. This is a presentation of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, visit our website at www.austinuu.org.